0: Bottoms up.
1: Diggity. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Carl. I'm an alcoholic. My sobriety is August 22nd, 2014. I almost said second or something. What the fuck am I doing? Weirdness. I'm
0: Chelsea. I'm an alcoholic, and my sobriety date is February 19th, 2015. This is SoberPod.
2: Soberpod SoberPod.com. 366 fucking days sober. Yeah, sober pod keep it authentic, no facade. If it's real, then you know it's ours. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome.
0: Sober pod is a podcast dedicated to the idea that one addict or alcoholic helping another is crucial to building a life in recovery. Join us on this season as we read from our book "366 Fucking Days Sober," and as always, stay active, stay sober. Hello
1: kind people
0: oh that was so creepy
1: (laughs) (laughs) hi how you doing uh chelsea did you have a good week
0: i did it was i i feel like uh it was busy week lots of work but what about you how was your week
1: oh my god i didn't even think about it um I'd have to look back. Nothing, nothing. You know, it's probably a good week because nothing actually happened. It was like <laughs> memorable or dangerous. Mon- or, monumental. Yeah, yeah. Like no dogs got ran over. I think that's a good start. Um, I didn't kill my neighbor as I was going to, had I originally planned, a Special, <laughs> special shout out to my sponsor for that one, uh, who really talked me off the ledge. Thank you very much. And to my neighbors, by the way, if you're listening, my neighbors, um, who uh who did try to I think rile me up but uh uh but in the end they saw the, the truth of like, yeah, you know, we better keep Carl calm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's a, a story there. There is that, a story uh, there, but it's
1: too much to go into for like in these <laughs> couple hours actually. Oh my god. So, yeah, it was just it was not fun. So uh a neighbor guy got it I uh, got into it with him a little bit and then found out that the dude was uh uh, stocking my nine year old ten year old daughter and he's uh definitely uh, uh got his record expunged from the megan's law website and uh uh he's a uh nine year felon you know blah 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 and uh and i just like you know i did everything in my fiber to not like end this guy's existence and i still mm-hmm. have very much like When you get, don't fuck with the Papa Bear syndrome shit. Like people talk about Mama Bear. No, no, no. Papa Bears are fucking way dangerous, especially when they're crazy like I am. And I'm fucking crazy and I know that um, (laughs) because it took me two days to come down from like to stop planning the dude's demise. Really? It took me two days and and I obsessed about it to the degree where like, so I guess here's the thing. Maybe I shouldn't like say this stuff because this is like this. This borderlines my own. Like maybe I'm documenting like the like in like the trial, right? Like we'll end up like in fucking court and like, Your Honor, here <laughs> he said on the podcast on September fourth, like, this. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, like and then and then there'll be me having this conversation. But yeah, I I obsess so much. Like I got his. I, you know, I got, I got his name. I got his, I mean, I, I know his date of birth. I know like where he's lived. I know his children's names. I know his ex wife's names. I know that he has an ex wife, you know? I mean, I, I, I dug in, right? I know his criminal history, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So, uh, I know way more about this man than I should. And it's not for good reasons, right? It's not because I want to, he's my friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, and then, and, uh, yeah, it just got really weird for about two days. I literally obsessed about like finding everything I could about this man. And when I get on that track, I do use my powers for evil as well, people. I don't always <laughs> use it to do uh, obsessively recording podcasts or recovery information. I literally, sometimes the switch gets turned on to uh, hurt people. And, uh, and make their lives miserable. And that's where my sponsor really kind of talked me down from the ledge basically to say like, yeah, I don't think you're thinking correctly on this one.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. And in my mind though, I was right. You know, like this dude was like trying to fucking, you know, coerce my daughter and shit. He's like grooming my daughter of like telling her to, Hey, you come here. That kind of shit. Any adult tells a fucking 10 year old fucking, Hey, you come here. There's something wrong with that fucking adult. Right, I don't care yeah. who you are. There's no reason to talk to a ten-year-old kid, you know, unless they're on fire, you know. <laughs> like I, yeah, I need to put you out. You're on fire, right? But instead, it's like this dude. Like, I mean, and then the shit that he said to her, and all this, all this stuff. I, uh, it just, I was like, launch it, right?
0: Yeah, so you asked. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you're not incarcerated. Not yet.
1: I mean, I did talk to my <laughs> wife and say, uh, um, like, hey, like, you're just gonna have. To, I literally this is a, this is the tactic I tried to pull. Uh, honey, you're just gonna have to let me go my way on this one and hurt another man. (laughs) (laughs) I I literally said those exact words to her, and I was like, Yeah, you're just gonna have to bail me out. (laughs) That's that was my plan. That was like as as good as I got, right? Uh, yeah, everything after that was really uh, just luck that I didn't go and fucking find the dude and get into it, you know? Yeah, that's
0: that's so scary, and um. You know, I understand what you're saying about like the obsessive component because I feel like it just takes one little thing to trigger me—one idea, mm-hmm. one like spark of creativity—and I just go down a rabbit hole. And yeah. hours are lost, like researching and and like you name it. Uh, I I think that goes for like many different things in our lives besides like podcasting and recovery. Like yeah, yeah. I just, I love to fill my time with like little obsessions that drive me nowhere.
1: Exactly. And, and, and again, what did I, you know, what happened though is I go, oh, you know, the, I guess the healthy part was, is I actually, uh, after it did happen and everything. And I, I did actually talk to the man, I didn't hurt him, but when I came back in and it was kind of all over, I sat there for about 15, 20 minutes and went like, did I just take this all too far? Right. I actually had that moment to like say, Oh, maybe I should call my sponsor on this, right? You
0: mean, you paused when you were agitated. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Wow. I guess
1: that's it. I started to watch a documentary, and I was like, and it just started to play through my head, and I was like, oh, like I gotta like, um, I gotta talk to my sponsor about this, like, and then that's like when it came to me, I was like, oh yeah, these are the points when I actually should be calling. My sponsor, right? Because in the past, though, I called John, right? John uh, who passed. And and that's almost like instinctual now, right? Like literally I want to call him and then I got upset because I couldn't call him, right? Because I'm like, oh, like he's dead. That sucks, you know? And so then I was like, then I had to like let that sink through and then I had to go and call my my new sponsor, right? Which I don't have that like automatic response to call him yet, um, which I should in those situations (laughs) because boy, I was like, I was... I borderline. I was really borderline. I mean, I was like I, given the right set of circumstances, like had things had the dude been home, like I would be in jail, right? That's Yeah. The that the, the difference of me being in jail is literally he probably went to the store to get a six-pack, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's the, <laughs> why i'm still here isn't that great right and my wife was like no no you'll lose your job and i'm like what do you mean you lose my job fuck you like well you. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't i didn't even, it did not even like 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 that shit impacts your life right you know mm-hmm. it can it can fuck with you so so yeah i didn't uh, do that all right so that that's a whole nother Game. What was your week like? Wow. What,
0: what a what an uplifting start to this uh, podcast. <laughs> but you know, yeah, Carl, we're human. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, like you know, how you would think about like, you know, oh gosh, you know, nine years, you should be a fucking saint by now, right? It's just not how it works, right? We're all fucking human, you know. So I, I uh, uh, yeah, I, I basically, um, I did do the right thing eventually, but it it took me it took me a couple days to really stop planning and obsessing and like you know mm-hmm. doing other shit so but i did I, I I by the way i did end up calling the sheriff i did end up doing all the things that you're supposed to do in those lines right like i did all the right things only after i was like yeah i probably like if i did all this other stuff i'll probably go into jail so i should probably go get the law involved at this point and then it would it almost keeps me from getting involved On another level, right? Because I'm like...
0: Yeah, because you're like, I already told them, now they're going to be looking at me, so... Yeah,
1: now, if anything happens to that dude, they're going to come fucking talking to me, right? You know, I'm like, all right. So I guess that's like, you know... Okay, I won't do it now. (laughs) (laughs) You got me.
0: But in but in the moment, it just feels so good to be angry and like, oh god, yeah, so like pissed off. It's it's invigorating.
1: Speaking my language. That's actually the conversation (laughs) I had with my sponsor. I was like, like justified anger, right? The grouch and the brainstorm shit are not for us, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was like, I was, it was just oozing off of me, and I was like, I'm, you know, I kill this motherfucker. You know what I mean? Like I was just (laughs) like, I'm I'm gonna get him, right? And then uh, yeah, it didn't happen. All right, so Chica, what I do want to do first before we really get into the the this part of it is, um, is to say uh, uh, thank you to friends in recovery. Again, they're they're still singing our praises. They're still talking about the book. Um, they're just absolutely like you know, just I don't know. They they like literally like uh, they read it and it and it's like it just looks so different. From the person who has written it to the person to a group of people reading it without the author involved, it's fucking great. It's good shit. Um, so, uh, so by all means, go over to Friends in Recovery, uh, subscribe to their podcast, listen to their podcast. You know they have some good recovery going on. And then, uh, on the other side of that is to say if you're listening to us and you have been listening and you are a member and you're paying for the membership, thank you so much for supporting the podcast and everything that we do. Right. It takes money to keep the machine running. And, um, and we really value like those people who have, uh, continued to, uh, you know, throw in their, their, their dollars in the basket. I guess that's how you would term it. Uh, and then, and then also if you want to, uh, support the podcast and you don't want to become a member, the best way to do that is to buy this book that we have 366 fucking days sober uh so you can go to the website click a link go buy the book um and all the proceeds from this book basically go to support the podcast so no matter what we do we use that money uh and the membership money to to support the podcast and to keep this this train uh, moving and then of course if you are uh, new to recovery or if you are um uh maybe not so new to recovery and you know somebody who uh um, would also like to be new to recovery, share this fucking podcast with them, right? You know, we, um, we again, we do together what we cannot do alone, and that is to help each other stay sober just one fucking day at a time. And if you are um of the same mindset and you know somebody who might like to be of the same mindset, please, by all means, consider sharing this with them. Because this is real shit. This isn't some, you know, we're not high on the mount. We're not fucking trying to make, you know, Buku bucks, and we're not trying to uh, um, uh, uh, get rich. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're, I'm not trying to impress anybody here, right? If I was trying yeah. to impress somebody, I would not be talking about killing my neighbor. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, who knows? I might get fired for it. You know? Who knows? Eventually. <laughs> all right, Chelsea. I'm gonna. Uh, we're gonna get into this because what do we do? Oh, first of all, um, we. Um, if you would like to get more information about recovery um and and you think that this kind of sucks we, uh, we also did <laughs> we we uh listened to living sober books uh and the living sober book by a world services and then we discussed it so we did that for starting in march uh 2022 and then we went through the whole book uh and we even did like the real shitty parts too so uh so <laughs> so, so go <laughs> back and some
0: some doozies yeah there, but there some we made it parts. work
1: yeah but uh but yeah, please go back and listen to that stuff if you want really more about like foundational information in terms of like you know getting sober, remaining sober in your early days of recovery. I think it's a really good book, uh, and I think it has a lot to offer, um, just like this book. So this book is uh, you know made for you as well, and we read through this and then we just talk about it. So uh, so there's that. And the other thing I was thinking about doing, Chelsea, is I was thinking about. Um, I'm gonna start recording some of these and just putting them on um, the the Spotify version where it's like the members only version for that. It's like another dollar a month or whatever, so that if you um, uh, so on the daily basis. So I'm just gonna start loading these up on Spotify and then if you subscribe, you'll you'll get the daily readings. And I think that's the only thing that um, the only thing I'd like to do further with it, other than other than that. So so look for that coming soon. Um, Chelsea, are you ready?
0: I'm so ready. Are you pumped? I'm pumped.
1: Okay, I'm going to start reading September 4th. By the way, happy I'm Labor sorry. Day. I'm sorry,
0: I'm sorry. You have to say let the healing begin.
1: Did I say let the healing begin or not? No, you didn't. What did I say?
0: You're, I don't know. You just skipped over it.
1: <laughs> okay, okay, let's restart that. Ready? Yes. Chelsea, are you fucking pumped?
0: <laughs> I'm pumped, Carl.
1: Let the healing begin.
0: Yes.
1: All right, here it is. September 4th. Uh, Happy Labor Day. Um, Here it is. In recovery, we often say your bottom is where you stop digging. Where and when you put down the shovel is up to you entirely. When in a hole, we suggest not making matters worse by continuing to dig. The addict or alcoholic will often think, if I've gone this far, I might as well see what else is down here and how far it goes. (laughs) The truth is there is nothing but a deeper hole. As Bill Wilson discusses in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, quicksand stretched out around me in all directions. I had met my match. I had been overwhelmed. Alcohol was my master. Bill knew that the more he tried to squirm, the more he would have made it worse and sunk ever deeper. What is needed is to let go and surrender, to give up and give in entirely to the understanding that we have shoveled our last clump of dirt and reached the end of a long and hard-fought battle. We can understand this intellectually, but its acceptance is ultimately exemplified by our actions. Reflections. Have I accepted that I'm an alcoholic or an an addict? Uh, If so, what actions have I taken or am I taking to prove it? Daily challenge. The next meeting you're in, be the first one to share when the meeting is officially open. Uh, Grow a pair. (laughs) Dude, I I hate it i hate it i cannot stand being the first person to fucking speak in a meeting can't stand it
0: i don't think i've ever been that person to be honest
1: yeah Yeah, i don't i don't know if i mean maybe a couple times you know i mean if i'm a leader for sure right but that's kind of defaulted but um but then you kind of have some time to prepare for that shit but like to just be like the first one after that to be like yeah, I'm gonna start sharing. <laughs> just, it's like I don't know. Sometimes it just got nothing. My you know? desires burning. Yeah, <laughs> my, de- my desire been burning my anus all day. Um, <laughs> so so Chelsea, what do you think about the the, the bottom is where you start digging and and uh, surrender and yeah, you know, basically all the good step one stuff, right? What do you think about this?
0: I mean, I wholeheartedly agree because, um, I guess my experience with my alcoholism was a lot different than what i would see on like the show intervention or see people who came through this rehab i worked at who had like seriously sunk deep like you know duis or um you know just like completely losing their whole family to being in like liver failure like all this shit That wasn't my story. And I think that was part of the reason why I really struggled with, uh, acceptance. Um, because I, I never got a DUI. I still had a job, you know, I never lost my home. Um, but I knew like my bottom, a lot of it was emotional and psychological to, it was to the point where I didn't want to live anymore. Like i this was kind of my last effort before taking my life. Mm. you know getting sober was was kind of my last uh, resort i guess um which I feel like it's a last resort for a lot of people, you know mm-hmm. like we don't want to get sober necessarily, isn't it funny like,
1: but... how, how, like getting sober is like a last resort I just think that's yeah. fucking wonderful like like of all things like oh I don't know it's like it's like getting sober or and and then death. Yeah. It's like, like those two, like right next to each other for God only knows why, right? It shouldn't yeah. be like. Well, and that yeah.
0: and that's just goes to show like the insanity and like the, the grip that it has on us. Yeah. Um, at least it did for me. And um, so I really struggled with that because um, I had this whole perception of what an alcoholic was. And based on my experience and like my circumstances, I didn't fit that, you know, mold. I didn't feel like I qualified as an alcoholic Mm. and, um, I felt like a fraud, you know, kind of some imposter syndrome. And so that not only fueled my denial, um, but it also helped me like push off any sort of acceptance of that title or that disease, that illness, um, which wasn't great for me. And so now I speak about my story because, I want other people to know that you don't have to fit that mold. You know, you can still be an alcoholic and not uh, have cirrhosis of the liver or, you know, you can be an addict and not having not having withdrawals. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. it a lot of it is um, for me, I was spiritually sick and I was mentally sick. Um, Physically, I was I guess in okay shape considering, but it, it was rough and um I just decided to stop digging because it was my last like effort before uh just giving up entirely. So um your thoughts, Carl?
1: Well, first uh, uh, um I would like you to clarify like uh because somebody this new is listening to this and I was, and I'm, I'm, I think more so, I need to start remembering that there's fucking people who haven't been doing this for nine years. You know what I mean? Like, I just go, mm-hmm. like, oh, shit. So what do you mean by spiritually sick? What does that mean exactly to you? Like, what is that, like, how do you define being spiritually sick? Because the one thing that happened to me was, uh, you know, I remember when I was sitting uh, at the at the front of this AA club, and uh, there was this dude, you know, he's 20 years, you know, and he looks like he got, you know, he's, he's my age, but he's got, like, 20 years sober. So, again, I'm, like, thinking to myself, like, did he get sober when he was fucking you know 29 like how the fuck is that possible right and then uh and he was like talking to another dude he's like yeah you know um you know you you know uh, you shouldn't come here unless you got like you lost your uh you know all your possessions right you know like you shouldn't be here if you still have a car you know if you still have a watch if you still have a house and um and then uh, and then and i'm like sitting there thinking to myself i'm like well i got all those things you know <laughs> and then he like then he's talking this to, again the to sponsor again, and he's like yeah you shouldn't you shouldn't be coming here like you know if you unless you know you got some you know fucking health issues or whatever all this other weird shit and i and i was just like and again all these things that i fucking got right and i so i said and i just spoke up which is kind of surprising to me but i sat there and, <laughs> i hardly knew did i go well yeah what about me and i was like so i said i said i got all that shit Right. And he he just without skipping a beat, he just looked at me and I didn't even think the dude knew me from nothing. Right. But he looked at me and he said, oh, yeah, you you're spiritually sick. And then he just went on talking to his fucking spots. And I was just like, oh, shit. Like, I mean, but the dude nailed me. Right. Like, I felt like I understood that I was um, that by then I think it was maybe about six months or so. But by then I kind of like I saw what spiritually sick meant to me. Right. And like kind of how it was defined. Through the rooms what does it mean to you in terms of being spiritually sick
0: well i think it's there's two different aspects to it so my spirit my soul was not well like i internally was not okay in, like living in this life um mm-hmm. and then the other part of it was that i had no connection to a power greater than myself i had cut that shit off i didn't you know want to believe in anything because god in my past had done nothing but hurt me you know god, and why so why have
1: you forsaken <laughs> me
0: <laughs> and so i you know i wanted nothing to do with that i didn't pray i didn't you know meditate i didn't do anything to uh interact with any sort of like power greater than myself and mm-hmm. Uh, that led me to just living a very selfish life with uh, very little meaning, honestly. And um, so my soul, I felt like was really detached, really broken. And then my connection or lack thereof to a higher power was just like non-existent. So um, those were major things that I initially, when I first got sober, I was like, the fuck are you talking about? Like, you know, being spiritually sick, like having a higher power, like people get sober without a ho- higher power all the time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, where people live like as atheists all the time and like shit's fine, you know, but, um, the, the longer I stuck around, the more I realized that I do need to, um, acknowledge that I am not uh God myself. And, um, you know, I need to give up some of my, my pain and some of my worries to something greater than myself. Otherwise I'm just going to drive myself right back into
1: alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I, I, tried to, uh, here's the thing. <clears throat> when somebody says stuff like, Oh, you know, you, you know, you, know, you gotta remember you're not God and uh, yeah, no shit. Sherlock, you know, it's like, it's kind of like, um, I always was really offended by that as a, as a newly sober prickly paired alcoholic because, um, you know, and the intellectual that I am, right? Because that was the other problem, right? Because um, you know, I did not view my desire and need for control as like you know encompassed in that statement. Like I thought, you know, yeah, you're not got like literally like I would I would think that statement to me was like, oh, yeah, you're not got like no, I fucking know I'm not. Like you know, I can you know, I can barely fucking you know, I c- I couldn't pay my bills if you I didn't even know what fucking bills I had right. Um, and so, um, but I had a desire to, to dominate and control so many things in my life. And I always tried to do that stuff. And that's really what they kind of meant more or less by playing God. Right. Um, uh, but, uh, but, the, but as it comes down to the whole, um, you know, stop digging point or, you know, again, alcohol being my master, I needed to give up and to give in entirely. I needed to surrender it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, there is that's the kind of the, the control and the God part, because I think like throughout my entire life, I have I have done so much and overcome so much. Right. That like, you know, whether it be like, uh, you know, behind the eight ball with, uh, you know, law enforcement or uh, uh, definitely having issues with, uh, um, you know, school or uh, again, uh, other people or you know, it didn't matter what whatever issue I had to resolve. I was always able to overcome it by my stick my fucking like desire to do those things. Um, you know, if I, if I needed to, uh, uh, you know, slice up a, a, a 16th and turn that into an eight ball, no problem. Right. Like I figured that shit out. If I needed 180 bucks, you know, extra, I found a way. Right. Like, you know, you know, I mean? like, I don't know. I stole car stereos. I stole T I got away with some shit. Right. You know? And, but again, it, never at any time did I ever fucking think like, you know, Oh, you know, yeah, God helped me do that, right? You know, or meaning, like, God kept me alive, right, in order to do that because it was always up to me, right? So fuck that shit, right? You know, it was always me, me, me. And so that's where I, um, you know, talk about surrender and the intellectual aspects of that towards the end of the reading is to say, like, you know, we understand this intellectually, but acceptance is ultimately exemplified by our actions. And so I understood that I couldn't drink. I understood that I had issue with it when I did. Um, and I would literally say to people, "Yeah, I drink alcoholically, right?" Do you ever say that shit? Like, I yeah, I uh, uh, I said uh, I drink medicinally, (laughs) 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 which I just think is fucking lame today. But uh, but that's the idea behind it. It's like, um, I knew all those things about myself, but what was I really like doing with that information? What was I really you know, was I accepting of it to the degree that meant that I had to do something about it or was I just accepting it to the point where I'm just going to resign myself to that mm-hmm. to that process? So because one of the things and in that really weird denial way, like um, I'm accepting that I'm an alcoholic and I'm resigning myself to drinking like I'm drinking. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, but that's not going to happen to me. Like the people you talked about, the liver failure, oh, yeah. the loss of fucking home and relationships, and disconnected from others and everybody and myself, and ending up isolated, sleeping under a fucking bridge, whatever. Like, again, we talk about that shit in terms of yes, right? Because yeah, it's like <laughs> bottoms are coming, right? Like it's like it just depends on like where do you want to fucking get off? Like where? Mm-hmm. Like because again, you have the opportunity to like, I mean, as as Here's the thing. If you are anything like me, like, which is you did not have the um, ability to stop drinking when you wanted to. Right. Um, You couldn't control the amount that you intaked. And when you did stop, right. You got those moments of grace. You couldn't just, you couldn't control whether you would pick back up again. Right. And put, 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 put that on heroin, put that on Coke, put that on fucking alcohol, put that on weed, put that on gambling. I don't care. The fact is, is like I couldn't control it. And therefore eventually the repercussions are going to happen and then yeah and it, it may vary it may you know depend right but at the end of the day it's not going to be good right it's not like i'm yeah. going to suddenly be like fucking you know happy joyous and free quote unquote and be like oh yeah look everything's great now right i mean so that's the thing is if i really understand it for what it is more than more than anything, I will I will need to be making the effort in order to change the outcome. And that, again, it's going to be uh, admitting to my fellows, right? Like again, my shit. Yeah, I can't fucking do this anymore. I suck. I I suck at drinking. Uh, seeking help, <laughs> receiving help, accepting help. Right? These are very much actions. Uh, you know, if you're the type that wants to uh, uh, get into program, great. Go to a fucking program. Go to a fucking meetings. But again. You can't just decide, like, I'm not going to fucking do drinking and alcohol or drugs, and then that's it because, I mean, and I'm speaking from experience because I tried that shit, and at the end of the day, because I couldn't control it, because I couldn't manage it, I mean, inevitably, I was going to fucking drink again, and I had to actually, with a capital D and capital O, do something about it, and that had actions associated with it, and it wasn't just, so whether it's calling a therapist, whether it's fucking, you know, uh, admitting myself to treatment, whether it's like, you know what I mean? Anything but the fucking same shit that I've been doing for the last 15 fucking years, right? So Chelsea, what was your number one point of action this time in relation to sobriety? and Why do you think that like, um, why do you think that you continued on from that point? Like what was the catalyst and what was the action that you took that changed your um trajectory this time
0: so i mean it took me a minute to realize that i had a problem you know um i was very thick in denial um i i was like (laughs) oh she's thick (laughs) Um, thick. (laughs) so i i was like oh well i'm gonna stop drinking so i can lose weight you know but then Hmm. when i attempted to stop drinking i couldn't do it And I was so ashamed and and just was like, you know, I told myself I was going to stop. Why can't I fucking stop? And then I was like, okay, well, this is a problem. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I I was kind of battling like, well, is it really a problem? Like, you know, um, or am I just like, uh, you know, trying to lose weight and, you know, it's something I just can't have. And so I want it more, you know, so I kind of went back and forth. But I think... What really was the catalyst was that first time I told myself, okay, hey, I'm not going to drink when I get home from work. I'm going to take a break for like three months or something. And then I immediately went and drank and I drank a whole bottle of wine and, um, just waking like, up the How next did morning. that happen? I know it's just, <laughs> it, it was there one minute and then it was gone. I don't know, but I, I feel like, the day after that, I was just so ashamed and so like broken and, and couldn't believe that I allowed myself to do that because I was not quote unquote an alcoholic. Um, Mm -hmm. and so from there, I just kind of, I really put my foot down and, um, I honestly, like, honestly, I don't know how I kept alcohol out of my mouth. Like it's a miracle it, it it's by god's grace i'm telling you because i did not do the things that i tell people to do you know get it out of your house like go to meetings mm-hmm. you know talk mm-hmm. to someone about it i didn't do any of that shit i kept mm-hmm. it all inside and um like that's why i say it's a miracle cuz i don't i don't know if i could do that again today if i had to but um i decided to go back to a meeting that a friend took me to years prior Um, and it was not a great experience the first go around. So I was surprised that I went back there, but I went there because I knew what to expect and I had been there before. And it was honestly the only thing I knew to do to help alleviate some of that, uh, kind of stress and, and, um, feelings I had about not being able to drink right now. Um, and so the meeting really helped, um, I was still very much in denial, but the meetings were allowing me the space to like think it through like, okay, well, do I belong in this meeting? Um, do, do I get to sit here and act like I belong in this meeting? You know, all things that were kind of spinning in my head. But ultimately, I, uh, I you know, when I stopped looking for how I was different and started listening to how other people's stories were similar to mine that's when I really got it that's when I really started doing some internal work and um, recognizing that I'm not special you know I'm not different
1: damn right Chelsea. <laughs> you're not special
0: <laughs> I'm not <laughs> and I hate to break it to you but you know you're probably not that special either God you damn know. it Chelsea
1: <laughs> <laughs> why are you treating me like this why are you breaking me down no, well, I mean, so I yeah, I yeah.
0: think you know you were you once told me I think or no I'm maybe it was uh, someone else saying like you know you're just a garden variety alcoholic yeah yeah was that you uh,
1: no that's what yeah that's what I was told by uh, Steve actually and uh, mm, yeah uh, and because um and because I I really did feel like I was like unique in that way like that I am like um that I had something better than most people like i had like i had uh drive i had fucking you know i had like you know shit you know what i mean like i could i could work my way out of this right like you know what i mean it's just like um and then again i also felt like you know like don't you know who i am kind of stuff right which is like fucking so stupid um and then i remember like when steve was walking away from me in the parking lot one i was like yeah dude i hate to tell you but you're just a garden variety alcoholic and i was just like god damn it like it just felt like, fuck. I'm special. You know? My like mom I, said uh, I'm yeah, special. i am tell you, I fucking, I I drank better than anybody else. <laughs> but uh, um, you know, it I, I felt I was a, su- a successful alcoholic, right? Like mm-hmm. I was like, you know what I mean? Like to a certain degree, I'm like I fucking do this better than anybody. Or the
0: quote-unquote like functioning mm-hmm. alcoholic. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I.
1: Again, I, I'm a am a piece of shit, but I'm the fucking best piece of shit that there is. Right? Like it is so yeah, I'm an alcoholic, but I'm the best fucking alcoholic that there is. If there's if there's any such thing as a good fucking awesome alcoholic, that is me, right? <laughs> um, I don't. Again, it's like how that even translates to fucking reality is beyond me. So again, the yeah, the mind can be pretty fucked up. The ego can be pretty fucked up, uh, and so that was. You know, for a, a, a large part, what you're talking about, too, is like I had to sit in the room. So that was like a, when when I you said like when it really changed for me, too, was like when I read the book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And that's like a, mm-hmm. not like a testament. But um, well, actually, let me just say I should add the word when I finally read the book. Of alcoholics anonymous because I it, it had been I was given that book when I went into treatment at fifteen years old right it sat on my nightstand like most people and served as a really good drink holder uh, ashtray holder as well right back when people actually smoked <laughs> in their homes and um, and so you know I I I this shit was all in my fucking Purview. like it fucking existed to me right like i thought because i had been involved in meetings before i had i've been sober even for five years before i thought that i fucking knew some shit right but honestly i didn't know shit i didn't know shit about shit and that's the other thing so when i read alcoholics anonymous and when i read the book and i actually read it with the understanding that like um what, what i was trying to achieve right when i read it i was like okay first of all you're not going to put me in that trick bag motherfuckers i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna believe in any higher power bullshit but i'll find a way around it right and then um and then i uh you know but what i read i read a lot of what what you're talking about i saw the similarities right i when i was reading bill wilson's stuff and and i was like oh yeah like i i drink that same way i understand that right i couldn't stop and um and when i did i i it it was it was inevitable that I was going to drink again, and when I did start again, I couldn't control the amount that I would take, and 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 it was disheartening, and it was like again demoralizing and debilitating at times, and you know, and who likes to fucking shit their pants while they're watching fucking Discovery Channel on you know on a fucking <laughs> Tuesday night? Nobody likes to do that shit, right? But there I was, a fucking young man doing that, and um uh, and that's just kind of embarrassing shit. So um so. When I read that book, I was like, Oh yeah, like I can see all this other stuff. But then I kind of like thought that I would just get into the the non drinking parts of AA when I first went back. Like I'll just do the hey, I'm really down for this like sobriety thing, right? This like the but I'm not so down for the for the spiritual solution, quote unquote. I'm not so down for that stuff, so like I'll just walk through and do the best I can to work my way around these things. So again, I I read I read uh, we agnostics, and as in like it seemed pretty hopeful to me actually. You know, it was funny because it was like over half of our fellowship are just like you, Carl. And I'm like, oh, they are right. I'm like, that's fucking pretty cool. Um, so I start to realize like, oh wait a minute, there's a lot of people who doubt. There's a lot of people who have these reservations about spirituality and about God and about higher power and all this other stuff. So that it's okay, right? And that was kind of part of the action that I had to do too. Rather than just like, you know, fucking judging people from afar, I really had to get in there and judge them close up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and meaning I want me to get up. a good look at you. <laughs> Let me get a good look at you, you son of a bitch. And then I had to like decide, like, am I going to be one of these people or not? Can I, you know, crack away at this stuff to the point where, um. I might be able to find a little freedom, right? I might be able to stop digging and start climbing my back my way back out. Again, you know, they say no matter how far down the ladder you have gone, you know, uh, there is a way out basically is kind of what they what they say in in AA. And um and I just I had to start somewhere, right? I had to start with something and somewhere and to me that was it. Like, you know, I had, I had made some progress on my own at home but not not enough to speak about, nor fucking a quote unquote write a book about, right? So that's where um, like, I had to go further and I had to take action on what that meant. And whatever that was, by the way, I was completely open and willing to do that and I started to get honest, as we say. And that was, dude, that, that changed everything, right? I fucking started telling people my real thoughts, my real feelings, my fucking, you know, and sometimes with a lot of reservation and pain, but I just continued and I just would like, again, tears and pain and fucking like, you know, yelling, fighting, screaming, you know, all the other things that go along with it. You know, I had to, I had to wake up, be a fucking adult and take my fucking medicine, you know? And boy, that's just the hardest shit I've ever fucking done. I, I still say it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life is getting sober and remaining sober. So that's, I heard his talk, uh, a speaker talk, one of my favorite speakers, and he talks about those first few fucking like, you know, days sober, the first few steps kind of thing of getting sober is like is like a rocket fucking leaving Earth's atmosphere. Like, oh, it takes about ninety percent of your fucking fuel to get off you know, out of the fucking Earth's atmosphere. It's a lot of fucking energy, but once you're out there in and floating in space, basically, all it really takes is a little nudge here, a little nudge there, and you really start to like make progress, right? You start to move in different directions by with with less energy right and that is the absolute truth about what has happened for me over like the last nine years which is to say like you know i, I dude those first fucking few months and fucking six seven eight months back hard hard as shit fucking a year mm-hmm. hard as fuck that's all i gotta say so Chelsea, yeah. um uh remind me that we have to do that commercial towards the end of this because i'll fucking totally forget again <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, so what do you think, Chelsea? What, what, what did you do consistently now that has helped keep you sober? In terms of like the last, you know, nine years. Well, eight years and eight months and yeah, eight years and how many months now? When do you do? Mm, you, you got February. Seven, was your February
0: uh, Fe- seven months now? I don't know. February eleventh. Yeah, Is it nineteenth?
1: I always forget what I was saying. Anyway, so February 19th. Um, so what have you done consistently action-wise that has helped keep you sober over these years?
0: Mm, well, I feel like as the days go, or the days, the years go on, like I things kind of get switched up. You know, I, I wish I could say that it was meetings. I wish I could say it was therapy. But, you know, I kind of go through phases. Um, but the point is that I'm always doing something uh, to remain in recovery and remain active so as of late the the last you know since like 2020 the podcast has honestly been the number one thing that's helped keep me sober Mm -hmm. because it's something I can rely on once a week you know I'm being of service but I'm also getting my fucking feelings out and talking about uh, recovery with another alcoholic who gets it Um, so honestly thank you Carl for you know, the podcast. I don't think I have said it to you. Um, you haven't, I it, like it, it, I've <laughs> been
1: demanding, do <don't> <laughs>
0: No, but it, it really has kept me sober. And the, the weeks that I miss, um, I have shit weeks, you know, when yeah. when I am not engaging in, in something that uh, helps keep me grounded. So um, I've had a busy life as of like the last three years. And so the podcast has really helped me stay with it you know and then um back in 2020 I was also doing a meeting for professionals in recovery and that was once a week and that really helped out too um but in the early days it was simply just showing up to a weekly meeting uh sometimes two meetings a week because I didn't have time to go to 90 meetings in 90 days you know what I mean I had a job I had uh dogs things like that but um you know, as of late, it's really the podcast, um, it's, it's, uh, trying to be of service to others, um, who, who are, uh, struggling or, um, maybe are like, sometimes I get patients in there who are struggling with substance abuse and I just try to be a listening ear, you know, and, and give them some, some, uh, needed attention and, and not, you know, looking down on them. Um. So I, I think it just kind of varies, but the point is to always be doing something, you know, mm-hmm. something that, you know, is working for you and going to keep you grounded and and not like above or neglecting your own recovery.
1: Yeah. No, it podcast for me is a huge one. Um, I think, uh, you know, cause it's been, I don't even know, five, six years now that we've been doing it. But one of the things for me is that, um. I learned early on, again, about service. I, I did a, a, a speaker meeting once a month uh, as a service position, like at that, a speaker meeting, but a, a men's meeting, the H&I panel, right? So, uh, you know, you get, you grab a couple dudes and you go there and you, so three or four of you and you split the time up of in an hour and you got each do your talk and then you're out, right? So you could people always look for sponsors at that, at those times of things. And that was, that was nice. I must've got like, I don't know I a fucking I hundred sponsors or something. but not a single one would call me as soon as they fucking left treatment, which is kind of great. But, uh, but Hey, you know, it kept me sober. Right. And that's the other thing is I learned early on. It's like, it's that kind of service that is like, uh, um, I was just talking about, uh, this the other day to a friend is like, a, uh, you know, I, I look for the, um, the, the, you know, the triple wins, right? You know, it's, it's like, uh, you know, it's a win for me, it's a win for you and it's a win for other people. Right. So, um, you know, in, in where you, I find that like three win scenario usually means that you're doing good. Right. And, um, so it's not just like one sided about, Oh, it's all good for me and fuck you. Right. So I look for the triple wins. Everywhere I can like see a triple win in my life. I kind of see, uh, again, I see higher power working, I see the program working and I see it like, you know, um uh, I see my part in it, right? Um which is great. So and and that's you know it's a big part of what we do, but in terms of like um uh what is kind of keeping me engaged in recovery uh is uh I I guess, I guess just kind of like uh, yeah, the club. I have a local club that uh I uh very fond of at this point, right it's like you know my sponsor was re- highly involved in it my uh, sponsor John and uh and he you know he he did a lot of service work there he was there all the time and I think that this is just like a central location. It's really important for me to have a sense of community uh, and and to and to be engaged with other people talking to other dudes like that just to me is like fucking just beautiful shit like to be to be the one that picks up the phone. When that other dude just wants to shoot the shit and just, like, kind of, you know, get out of his own fucking skin for a little bit. Like, that's just fucking amazing, right? Just to be, like, and then again, that helps me too, right? Because I'm, like, fucking, you know, like suddenly I'm like, I'm, like, I'm not, my problems aren't fucking so fucking big, right? Because I'm suddenly, like, dealing with some some other thing that this dude's talking about. Uh, so yeah, it can be, it can be really rewarding to actually just be a part of and not apart from, and I think that has really kept me in the, in the thing and just, again, that, that, that idea of service, but not like the, that codependent service, right? Not the kind that like does harm to everybody, right? right? You know, right. it's like, there's a whole different part of it, right? It's like I said, looking for triple wins is kind of how I define whether I'm in that space or not, so. All right, Chelsea, that's it. I think that's all the fucking time we fucking got. But right now, we're going to drop a fucking commercial. In the realm of the burntoutcollective.com, a powerful message is woven into every fabric, navigating the complexities of life. The burntoutcollective.com beckons, inviting all to embark on a voyage of reclamation, defying odds, reshaping destinies, all within an unmistakable style, because within the out collective, the garments aren't just worn, their symbols of strength join this odyssey today at the burnt bam <laughs> so what did you think about that damn commercial was that awesome or what
0: uh it was just glorious,
1: glorious can i tell Cheryl. you a little bit about that commercial yeah you know uh so, so it's a burnt collective uh and uh a burnt out collective sorry and uh and i literally uh I had Chat GPT write that whole commercial. So <laughs> and so I just basically like fucking I edited it to a little certain took out other things because apparently Chat GPT doesn't know what, what like fucking thirty seconds means, right? Uh, <laughs> or but you like have to you, read it really fast. To, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so yeah, I actually had to edit a little bit, but yeah, yeah, you know, uh uh AI sometimes ain't that smart. Listen to me saying ain't that smart. All right, yo. Hey. So uh, so, uh, what what do we tell the um, the uh, vivacious um, uh, vixens that are listening? What do we tell them uh, about how to use their sexuality in recovery? Oh, never mind, that's a whole nother show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> On that note, I'll say deuces. <laughs>
1: All right, and I say stay active, stay sober.
0: See ya, motherfucker.
2: soberpod.com 366 fucking days sober yeah it was a sight to see them yeah. Breakfast was Sprite and Seagulls Wrestling with my vices Exercising my demons uh, My blessings were blocked So I never got the message I'm stressing I'm only 12 steps from an exit Damn. Regret it Because my imperfections were perfected I ain't run from it I accept it And rep it It's a badge to me Good stories come from a tragedy And when you survive The glory will come in. act three. 3 The wait's over 366 fucking days sober more affirmations That can start the day for you Use my favorite book. Smart for a placeholder, finish when the day's over, okay? Okay? okay, okay. 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 Yeah, sober pie, keep it authentic, no versailles. If it's real, then you know it's ours. Welcome.